Okay, guys, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in Romans chapter 2. Now, here's what we've been doing. Last week, we started off in this section. Paul's going to basically, from chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse uh, 20, I believe, Paul's going to show, make the argument, very clearly, that all humanity is condemned. That every living human being is condemned before God. Now, before you were like, wow, man, I mean, if you really think about that, what that means is, is that every human being is going to hell. Now, we don't think in terms of that because we, we think in terms of, oh, that's my friend or that's, that's my loved one or, and, and, and everybody, and we, and we, and our culture likes to say that everybody is good. Dude, you know what I'm saying? There is no evil. And that nobody's that bad. And, and those that are really that bad, yeah, they deserve hell. You know, but we only think in terms of people who are going to hell as in terms of Adolf Hitler or Stalin or Osama bin Laden. But we're, we don't think in terms of the reality that every hu- human being who's breathing is condemned to go to hell. And the reality is, is we need to understand that because when you then, that's the starting point for you to understand your salvation. So folks, before you became a Christian, before you became a believer and committed your life to Jesus Christ, you were condemned to go to hell. I don't care what family you came from. I don't care how good you think you were. Okay? I don't care anything about any of that stuff. How many times you went to church? Or how many rituals you did, or how much, how many old ladies you helped across the street, okay? The reality is, you and I, all of us, because of our sin, little ones and big ones, were condemned to go to hell. So last week, he starts off, he's go, he started off with a group of people that are, that are Gentiles. Now who are the Gentiles? Are we Gentiles? Okay, that's non-Jews. The world's basically divided into two groups of people. Jews and Gentiles. Alright? So he talks about how, why Gentiles are condemned. And that's because they reject the knowledge of God and lift up their own wisdom and worship creation and then kind of go off following their own desires. And so therefore, they're condemned. We talked about that last week. This week, we're going to go one step farther because you might remember last week's lessons and you say, well, you know, George, I don't really have those problems. I'm not going after my desires. In fact, I think that the people we just talked about last week are wrong. Okay, so he's going to take it one step further now and talk about why the moralist is condemned. The moralist, the one who judges others, who condemns others, who says for himself, he hasn't done that. Now, let me just stop for a moment, folks. As we talk about this section... This is where a lot of people in church are. A lot of people in church are with in the whole moralist argument that everybody else outside of the church is bad. So he's going to talk about why the moralist is condemned. So we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 16. And we're going to talk about moralism condemned. So let's look at, verse, first of all, at verses 1 to 4. And we're going to see 
The problem with moralism. The problem with moralism. Therefore, you are inexcusable, old man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But know the judgment of God is according to truth and against those who practice such things. Do you think this, old man, you who judge, those practicing such things, doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Okay, so let's talk about moralism here. What exactly is he saying here, George? Well, first thing I want you to see is this. The one who judges others while engaging in the same sin is without excuse. The one who judges others while engaging in the same sin is without excuse. Now let me just stop for a moment because you might be saying, well, I'm, I'm okay. Because I'm not doing what they're doing physically. Are you sure? Because remember the standard that Jesus gave. Remember, he gave us two examples. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery, is the law. But he says to you, that if you have lust in your heart towards another person, you've already what? Committed adultery. Thou shalt not murder, is the other commandment. He said, but if you hate your brother, you have murdered them. What's the implication there? Engaging in this sin is not necessarily a physical activity. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, you might judge someone who has committed adultery and judge them, well, I can't believe that they would do that to their spouse. And they're so sweet, their spouses, and they would do that. I can't believe they would do that. They are so rotten, and you're judging them. But yet, in your own heart, you're lusting after other people. You're doing the same thing, except you're not physically doing it, you're just doing it mentally. See, you're going to be judged. Did you understand what I'm saying? The very standard which you use against other people will be used against you. That's the point here. Just because you're not physically doing the action... But if in your heart you're desiring it, you're contemplating it, you're thinking about it, you're doing the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the very standard that you use towards other people, you will be judged by. That's scary, isn't it? Now, we don't think that. Man, that would would cause an earthquake in most churches, wouldn't it? Because the way we come across... And so got it together, and, and we're perfect, and we, and we look our nose down at other people. But the reality is, listen, the reality is, is that, man, aren't we doing the same thing except it's up here? Nobody, and I can't read, nobody's mind readers. Now, now you may be married for a while, and you think, well, I know what he's thinking. No, you don't. You just know his actions, and you can anticipate actions, but you don't know their thoughts. You can't. Nobody here's a mind reader. Nobody reads hearts. I can look in their eyes. No, you can't. Nobody can. 
so the reality is, is that he starts off, he says, the problem is moralism is, is that those who engage in judging others will be judged by the same standard. Let's go on now. God's judgment, according to truth, is against all who practice sin. God's judgment, according to truth, is against all who practice sin. Now, here's the point. When God judges, he's judging based upon a holy, perfect standard. And when he judges, he's judging sin, period. Now, why would he make that point? Well, here's the problem with the moralist. You ever notice somebody that they are they're, they have a they're a moralist they're they're into judging other people okay so so you've got let's let's say you've got a family and you've got the head of the home I'll call him Wayne I don't have any Waynes here so don't, nobody will feel like I'm picking on somebody today okay you got Wayne and uh, and he's got a son Billy Bob okay. And Billy Bob's got a friend named Frank. All right? Now, Frank is doing wrong in an area. Frank's married, and he's running around on his wife, and he's cheating his boss. And so Wayne is holding Billy Bob to this standard. No, not Billy Bob. His friend, Frank, to this standard and judging him for what he's doing. I can't believe that he's doing that. But here's the problem. Billy Bob's doing the same thing to his wife and to his same boss, but Wayne overlooks that. He's judging it in other people's lives. Do you understand? He's got this standard, but it's a flexible standard. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a flexible standard. It's a standard that he holds for everybody else, but when it comes for himself, and especially when it comes to his own family... He's willing to flex on that standard. Do you know what I mean? How many of you have seen that before? Okay? This is what Paul's getting to here. He's saying that when God judges you, it's not a flexible standard. God judges according to truth against all sin. Period. There's no flexibility there. Okay? No flexibility. See, that's the problem with, with moralism. Moralism holds up this standard, but there's so many different options. Do you know what I'm saying? Moralism holds up this, we're judging other people, but man, when it comes to myself, I don't hold myself to that standard. I hold you to that standard, but I don't hold myself to that standard. That's just natural. And he's saying here, that's going to be judged by God himself. So here's the, here's what he says. The one who judges, Others for things that he partakes in will not escape judgment. Here's what he's saying. You know what? You're sitting there and you are raising your nose in judgment over other people because of what they're doing while you're doing the same thing. It may seem like you're getting away from it for a moment, but you won't, he says, because God holds everyone accountable. Now, let's just stop for a moment. We believe in eternal security here, okay? That if you truly have committed your life to Jesus Christ, you will experience salvation. And nobody can take that away from you. Now, the problem is, is we've twisted that a little bit. We've twisted it to say that we're no longer accountable for what we've done. We are no longer have to answer for anything that we've done wrong. Folks, that's not in the Bible, 
Now, you're no longer held accountable and in a sense that you're going to hell, but you do have a given account. So one day you will stand before God and the books will be opened and everything will be brought to bear and you're going to sit there and you're going to say, I don't know what to say. But the reason why he does it with us is for us to truly grasp our salvation so that we can say, yes, Lord, you're right. I did those things, but I put my faith in Jesus. He paid the price for my sin. That's what saves you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're going to have to give an account. You're going to have to give an answer for it. So the reality is, is that, look, if we are moralists, and I'll just be honest with you, that's one of the biggest problems with the church in North America right now is we're into this moralism. We want to tell everybody else. Have you noticed that? If you listen to Christian radio, if you listen to Christian everything, we want to tell everybody else how to live. Have you noticed that? But the problem is we're not living that way in the church. We're just as bad in the church. And no wonder the unbelievers are upset with us. Because we're basically what? Moralists. Do you understand? Moralists. So here's what I'm saying. When we judge others, we despise God's goodness, which ultimately leads to repentance. Here's what you do when you and I judge judge others. I'll read you exactly what Paul's saying here. Look at verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Here's what he's saying. Part of God's goodness is two things. Forbearance and patience. Does anybody know what that means? Anybody have any clue what that means as far as his goodness towards us? Forbearance and patience. Why would that be a goodness, an aspect of God's goodness towards us? How many of you, we're all sinners here, right? Okay. How many of you would say, yeah, I'm, I am really glad that God is patient with me? Aren't we? I mean, what if he gave us what we deserved? I mean, you say, I'm sent us to help. No, no, even if he punished us for what we did. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? What if, what if, what if God really put the beat down on us? Do you know what I'm saying? All right, here's the other one. That, that's patience. God's patient with us about our stuff. Here's the other one. Forbearance. Now, what in the world does that mean, George? Well, it's a nice Bible word that talks about that he puts up with. He puts up with your stuff. Now, isn't that God's goodness? When you consider the stuff in your own lives. Now, here's what he's saying here. So we understand that that's God's good. So when I judge other people. I can't believe that they've done that. Or I can't believe that they're acting that way. I can't believe, I, oh, and, and you just judge them. What you're doing is, is that you're saying you're despising God's goodness, which is what? Patience and forbearance. And why is he patient and forbearance? Because God's got a bigger picture. The bigger picture is, is that he wants it to lead them to what? Repentance, which is what? Salvation. Because he's willing that what? None should perish. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, we're, we're ready to drop the hammer on everybody. Not everybody. Those close to us, we're not really, we're, we're patient and forbearant with them. 
but we're ready to drop the hammer on anybody else that's wrong. Oh, no, I'm not, George. Yeah, you are. When's the last time somebody messed up at Walmart with your order? Were you patient and forbearant with that clerk? Probably not. Or with the waitress who spilled coffee on you? Did you understand what I'm saying? See, that all comes out of our moralism. And what he's saying here is that when I judge other people, I'm despising God's goodness. I'm despising God's goodness. You know, one of the things, I'm going to be honest with you folks, I... This is just George's testimony, okay? I can, I've been a believer now. This week will be 30 years, okay? 30 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. And in those earlier years, being in an independent Baptist church, I was pretty, I was pretty moralistic. Pretty judgmental, okay? Pretty judgmental. Now I'm gonna tell you what's happened. Not, age doesn't just mellow you. Christ mellows you. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and you get to the place where you just have to be patient with people because people don't change overnight. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and here's what I found. I can remember in those early years that, you know, we would, we would be very judgmental. Remember churches being like this, very judgmental, somebody taking a drink, very judgmental, somebody smoking a cigarette, very judgmental about how they dressed and everything. And, and, and we would just almost ostracize people who would do that. But what I found is it's easy to take care of those outward things. It's easy to not drink. It's easy not to smoke. It's easy to clean up your mouth. You say, oh, man, it's tough, George. No, it's easy compared to dealing with my inward attitudes of gossiping. That's not a problem in churches, is it? Okay. Of, of having other attitudes and so forth, of judgmentalness and so forth. It's easy to deal with that. You know, it's easy to get rid of the, old, the older stuff, but to deal with the inward stuff takes time and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem with the other stuff is, is I can hide it. You guys don't know what God's been dealing with me this week in my life, and I don't know what God's been dealing with you about. Right? See, that's the, this is the problem with moralism. Moralism is judging people on outward actions. So what we want to do is, is that, you know, we want, we want to recognize that we, we need to have that attitude, like God, not be ready to judge people. Because God is showing goodness to everybody, to this world, isn't he? Because he could say he's had enough and that's the end of it. Do you understand? And one day he will. One day he will. So that's the problem with moralism. So let's talk about the future judgment then. Look with me at verse 5 through 11 so that we understand this whole why moralism is condemned. Look with me at verse 5 through 11. But in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. For who will render to each one according to his deeds? Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish 
on every soul who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. All right, so let's look here. He's storing up wrath. Hardened and impenitent hearts only store up wrath for themselves with the final judgment. Here's what he's saying. If you've got a hard heart and you've got an impenitent heart, now what's impenitent mean, George? What it means is, is you are not willing to, to, to be repentant in your heart. You are, you are hardening your heart against God softening it and bringing confession and acknowledging and turning from your sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you've got a heart that is so into itself, you are only storing up for yourself the wrath of God. Okay? You're only storing up for yourself judgment, is what he's saying here. Alright? So then, let's go on. He says, he gives us a general statement of judgment, is that God will render... Judgment to each each person according to his deeds. See, this is where you and I've got to got to grasp something. Here's what we do in our culture. Here's what we do as humans. If I want to know how good I'm doing, if I want to know that George is okay, George is doing fine, okay. If I want to know that, here's what we normally do. This is what we're, we're ingrained in in our culture. This is what we're ingrained in as far as human beings. What I will do now to make sure that I'm doing good is I will compare myself with someone else. And if the someone, and usually I pick the people who are a lot worse off than me. You know what I'm saying? I, I pick the person who's further down in the ditch than I am. Okay? So, I, like I remember, Lori and I, years ago, we were talking to somebody and, and they were addicted to heroin. Okay? And, and with that addiction comes the, the difficulty of they gotta find money to buy the next thing. So, what they did was, is they sold drugs. So they're telling me, oh, we, we weren't bad, we just sold drugs. I'm sitting there thinking, that's bad. But in their mind, it wasn't bad because they didn't steal. See, they compared themselves and felt good about themselves because they looked at the other person who was a heroin addict and said, well, he steals. I'm not that bad. See, that's a human response. Do you understand what I'm saying? We want to see where we're at. And what we do is, is we compare ourselves, and here's what we do. We hone in on other people who, who are not like us, but just a little bit lower, and we go, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But here's what Paul says. You and I need to grasp the reality that when you stand before the judgment, God's going to say, he isn't going to, this is not going to happen in heaven. Brad? Come on in. You're doing all right, bro, because you're not like this other guy over here. Come on in. That's not... See how ridiculous that is? That is not what God's going to do. What God's going to do is hold up his standard of truth and say, Okay, Brad, where are you at with my standard of truth? 
Now it's just you. And what he's going to do is, is he's going to render judgment to each person according to their own deeds. It's not going to be, well, I wasn't like Adolf Hitler. I wasn't like that guy over there. That, that's just excuses. You got a hand up back there. Oh, everybody in the class is failing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know, I've heard that one a few times. What's the deal with this test score? Well, everybody in the class goes, I don't care about everybody else, you know. How many of you know, Have you had, we can relate to that, right? See, here's the thing. God's going to do the same thing with us, folks, with our moralism. Let's go on now. Eternal life will be given to those who seek glory and honor and immortality by doing well. That's what Paul's saying here. Well, I thought eternal life is given to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Yes, because those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are seeking after these things. Do you understand? And because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will do good. Okay? So eternal life is given to those. So here's what he's saying. In the future judgment, eternal life will be given to those. But he goes on. Can I go ahead to the next one, or are people still writing that down? Okay. The one who is selfish and disobedient will experience the torments of hell. The one who is selfish, self-centered, self-focused, and disobedient to God will experience the torments of hell. The one who works what is good will have glory, honor, and peace. Do you see the contrast here he's making here? The one who works what is good will have glory, honor, and peace. So then he tells us in verse 11, now this is where you and I have to understand. When it comes to God, God does not think the way you and I think. God is not partial in his judgment concerning humanity. The problem with you and I is, we are partial. Oh no, George, I, I'm not partial to anybody. Yeah, you are. You know you are. I can already tell you who you are. You're partial to your own kids. That's only natural. If you're not, we'll have to have a talk. Because we've got a problem there. Because you should be partial to your kids, right? Everybody agree with that? Okay. But that's our problem. We're partial. You're also partial to your own clan. To your family. You're partial to people who are just like you. We're partial to people who like the same sports team just like you, right? Well, he must be good. He, he likes the Steelers. Well, I'm not hiring him because he likes the Eagles. You know, I mean, you see the, the, the silliness of that? We are partial people. Okay? Problem is, it's not a problem. It's actually wonderful. When God deals with us, He's not partial to anything. He deals with us impartially. He's the perfect judge. Okay? He's the perfect judge. Alright, so let's go on. Look with me now. At verses 12, 
through 16. We'll finish it up here. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law are justified. And when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts and their conscience, also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts, accusing and also excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Okay, here's the last few points. First of all, all sinners will perish. The person who sins with or without the law will be judged and perish. What do you mean, with or without the law? Well, just simply because you're ignorant of something does not mean that you are exempt from it. So, for instance, you know, I don't know if you know there's a new law that if you drive along the side of the road and you see a police officer on the side of the road pull somebody over, you have to physically get over into the next lane and slow down. Do you realize that? No, I didn't know that. Well, we just found that out in our household. You can't ride the middle lane. How many of you like to ride the, the dotted line getting around them? You can't do that. That's what we were doing. And we found out $175 later that that's been a law here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So you better get over. Now, here's what we could not do with that officer. Well, I'm sorry, officer. We just were not aware that that just was passed recently. What do you think his response is? Now you know. Tell your friends, which is what I'm doing, okay? Do you know what I'm saying? Pay attention. That's the whole point. of Just because you're ignorant of it does not mean you're exempt from it. That's what Paul's saying here. Those who sin without the law or with the law will be judged and perish. Do you understand? Why, why is that possible? You know, because here's the thing. He's saying that we have a conscience. And even though we don't have the law of God, we have it in our hearts. And we know when we're doing wrong, right? We know when we're doing wrong. Well, here, here's the other one. Those who are, who are justified. Those who simply hear the law will not be justified, but those who do it. So here's the thing. Your justification is not simply coming to church. How many people think just because they go to church, they're doing okay? Folks, going to church doesn't do anything. In fact, it maybe increases your judgment. I better not come anymore. No, no, listen. Because if you hear and you don't act on what you hear, there's a problem. That's what he's saying. You just can't be a hearer. You've got to be a doer. Okay? You've got to be a doer. Those who simply hear the law will not be justified. Why? What's he doing here? He's wanting to build the case that we're hopeless and that we need Jesus. Do you understand what Paul's doing here? He's taking every area of our life and what we use to justify ourselves with, and he's stripping it away piece by piece to show us that we need Christ. Bottom line. Okay? Now look here. 
Here's the law of conscience. Gentiles, that's you and I, who do not have the law, follow the law through their hearts. I'll give you a prime example of what I'm talking about. In our culture, adultery has become acceptable. Would everybody agree with that? It's, it's that way on the TV, it's that way in our culture, that adultery, as far as what's being communicated, is acceptable. Have you noticed that? That's what is, is our culture is portraying to everybody. Now here's the problem though, even though our culture says that, most people don't agree with that, do they? Even the most liberal thinkers change their mind when it happens to them. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the most liberal thinkers could say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's okay until somebody cheats on them. Where did that concept of it being wrong come from? Within ourselves. Our conscience that God gave us. Did you understand what I'm saying? God told us it's wrong in our hearts, even though we didn't have the law, even though we didn't have the, the Ten Commandments. We knew within ourselves. We know within ourselves that stealing's wrong, right? This is the point he's making here. We follow the law through our what? Hearts. Through our hearts. That's the point he's making here. So he goes on and he says this. Their conscience either excuse or accuse them in their sin. That's the issue with Gentiles. They don't have the law pointing it out to them. But you in your own conscience, your own conscience either accuses you or excuses you from your sin. Do you ever notice that? When you do wrong, you don't need somebody coming up to you and telling you you did wrong. You already know you did wrong because your own heart, your own mind, your own conscience is telling you you didn't do good. And you didn't need somebody to point that out to you. That's because God gave us, in our own hearts, the ability to understand right and wrong. Do you understand? So here's what he does. God will judge the secrets of men's hearts through Christ Jesus. That's the point. Everybody is without excuse. Everybody is without excuse. Don't you see that? Now, next week, we're going to talk about unfaithful Jews. Because the Jews could sit there and say, well, hey, that's the Gentiles, and that's that moralist, but we have the law. We have the law. Well, Paul's going to deal with that issue next week.